Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock, and uh, everybody listens to our show. Uh, like we said the last few days, the KGB has been listening, and uh, Chinese intelligence has been listening. Well, we got a full house today. Sometimes we had nobody in here. Sometimes we had no no Democrats here, only Republicans. Today, we have no Republicans. We have two Democrats, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Governor David Patterson. Welcome, guys. Good Thank to be you. here. And we have two independents. We have a former uh, FBI uh, in charge of New York, Assistant Director uh, in charge. Is that the correct title? That's it. George Venizelos. And Dr. Mihalos is in the, in house. And we're going to get directly from him. And he's an independent, too. So am I. You're an independent. That's right. What I'm am I? Just, I, I, I? You're John Katz uh, Matidis. You need no party. You're the common well, sense party. Start. Common sense. Thing. I understand there was a big. Uh, we were at a uh, law enforcement uh, foundation dinner last night. Uh, 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 George Venizelos, and um, what was all this stuff coming out uh, that uh, there was 30 FBI agents uh, that uh, uh, are supporting the whistleblower? I mean, a lot of Americans listen to that, and they really don't understand it. You were with the FBI for a long time. Can you straighten out things? Yes. Um, first of all, it was 30 Agents that aren't on the job anymore, retired agents. So, um, well, the ones on the job don't want to lose their job. They can't talk. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and I think you know this is this is the problem that we have right now. You know, the old saying is perception becomes reality. There's a perception out there right now that the FBI has been politicized and 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 they're doing things um, for politicians, And, and that is very dangerous. It's very dangerous to be thought of doing that. And the fact that people are thinking about it, and it's, it's, it's been an article like, like every other day about it, is not good for the FBI, and it's not good for the country. You know, and, and I think we really, I don't feel... I mean, whenever you have an organization uh, that's 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 people, you're always going to have a few rotten apples. Right, and also, this is, you know, this is... You know, the, the Washington, the, the FBI agents that work in Washington that work some of this stuff, you know, tend to be around politics a lot. And, and they tend to work some of these sensitive cases. And sometimes they're put in no-win situations. They have to investigate these cases at all costs. They have to investigate. And depending on which way it goes, you go one side to be happy, the other side to be unhappy. So it, it, it's the public corruption arena within the FBI is the most difficult Cases to work, and there's a lot of restrictions put on those cases. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend every decision they made. You know, there, there, there were decisions that that weren't made, that were made wrongly. You know, so there was some aggressiveness they could have pulled back. Um, but my concern is, I don't. We shouldn't be painting the whole FBI to be this big broken organization. Because they're not. Is is Washington where a lot of politics goes on? Is that where, where a problem begins? Because I realize that when they uh, uh, did uh, Mar-a-Lago, it wasn't really the um, Florida FBI. No. It was they, they sent down the FBI from Washington. Right, because it's a very sensitive case. They have a certain 
uh, a small group of agents that are working that case, and um, they're the ones who, who went down there. Now, could things have been done better? Absolutely. Um, are there maybe some people within the FBI that, that are are not the old school FBI where we're apolitical, wouldn't even think about politics? I never thought about politics in the 24 years in the FBI. I never took one side over the other. Um, there may be. This is a new generation we're dealing with now, you know. But it has to be rooted out. It has to be, for the FBI, they have to really take this stuff serious. They have to be more transparent with some of this stuff. And they have to start, you know, you know, this one agent that got walked out. I don't know what he got walked out for. It could be a lot of different things. He could have done other things, you know, and he's the whistleblower now. I understood. Understood. Thank you for your service to our country, and uh, God bless you. I wanna, Judge Weinberg? I want to share the, the following with you, which I thought was very interesting. I was at a luncheon today where former Attorney General Barr was there. Hey, he's still a very important person. Very important, very, very smart, a man of a character and, and real ability. And I always thought that he, Trump, frankly, underappreciated how lucky he was to have him as Attorney General. But Barr shared the, the following with us at the lunch. Number one, one of the things he did is he moved a lot of the heads of different departments out of Washington into different states to try to break up the Washington culture. That's one of the things that Attorney General Barr said. A second Hold thing, on. Uh, I think yes. George uh, Benizelos uh, wants think, to comment on I that. I think Judge Weinberg hit on something really important. You know, and I think some of the articles that you read talk about how the FBI used to work. You know, the... the the field office who should be running the case is not Washington. The minute Washington runs a case, it tends to become a little more political. So you have to let the field offices run these cases. They're more than capable. You have good leaders in all these offices. And, and I think that's what I think the, the attorney general is probably getting at, stuff like that. Yeah. So I want, to get, I want to give you a couple more thoughts. Number one, the other thing the attorney general Barr said is – Notwithstanding the criticism of the moral logo raid, he did not criticize it, and he said there might be very good reasons the way it was handled by uh, by the Justice Department and the FBI in terms of what kind of documents were actually there, and, uh, and he offered he offered that opinion. My own view is, and this is where you have the problem of the so-called weaponization of the FBI and the Justice Department. They don't need to need, use SWAT teams to go in after people and have guns drawn on misdemeanors. That's where they get themselves in trouble and they destroy the yeah, credibility. Especially maybe uh, on uh, people that, uh, like a Roger Stone, he, he didn't have a passport. He didn't have a, he never had any guns. And, you know, it no, just, it's just not a violent crime. Yeah. So we're not talking about violent crimes. We're talking about low level misdemeanors. Yes. Yeah, and, and the use of a SWAT team could, could be. Um, very tricky in different ways. People react differently when they're under duress and be arrested. For example, in Miami if you, last year, they didn't use a SWAT team. They went in to get a, uh, a, a kiddie porn predator, you know, and the agents went, just knocked on the door without a SWAT team, and two of them got killed. Wow. They were, they were shot, shot through the door. The camera yes. saw them coming. So you just don't know when you're dealing with, the criminal, how a person react, their, their life may be crashing before them and they may take their life of them, their, their own life or they may take the life of an agent. So you always have to side on caution. So before we start criticizing a lot of the FBI 
raids and stuff. Yeah, does it look look good? No, but sometimes if they have information well, that some, we don't you know, know, some local mayors uh, want to uh, put uh, warrant offices, unarmed or yeah. warrant offices, yeah. to react to people. Because you know, I, I don't care if you're an old person; you can still have a gun in there. They may have have information that they have registered guns. They may have information that the, that we don't know about. So in some of these situations, they're probably justified in using this. So I wanted to switch gears. Let's talk about the crime here in New York City. Do you want to switch to that, Governor Patterson? A suspect has now been taken into custody after a 61-year-old FDNY EMS lieutenant was stabbed to death in Astoria, Queens. She was on the job. It happened about an an hour ago. It just happened. The suspect was just arrested. She was stabbed to death on the job trying to assist someone. What is your reaction, Governor Patterson? It seems to me that a lot of these crimes are happening in the middle of the day in places we never suspected before. And to have a veteran EMS lieutenant being stabbed to death on the job is just shocking. When 61, is the- 62 years old, ready to retire and enjoy right. his life. It was a woman. Yeah, she was on the job for over 20 years. Well, it's horrifying. And more of that is going to happen unless there are some real changes in some of the procedures that we are uh, using right here in this city and in other cities around the country, but this is happening as well. There's a general uptick in crime uh, nationally. But in, in this particular case, um, it's, it's shattering the um, confidence that any of us can have that we're in a safe city. And what do you think about Mayor Adams' decision to leave, to go to Puerto Rico? We have a crime crisis here, and now he's building a tent city in the Bronx, Orchard Beach, a thousand beds. There's a lot of concern about where, what are we going to do with all these people? How are they going to be educated? Healthcare services, clothing. It's, it's a big undertaking. And to just put these people in a parking lot in the Bronx is. It's like having an extra 2,000 or 10,000 dependents. Well, there were two questions. The answer to the first one is he went to Puerto Rico on a Saturday and he came back on Sunday. Okay. There's a large Puerto Rican population in the city. I'm sure they appreciated that their mayor uh, went to another part of the country where uh, there was a disaster. And that goes on on both sides of the aisle all the time. So I, I don't see any problem with that at all. I agree with the, you. Okay. The, the issue of the tents was a transitory issue that Mayor Adams brought up. So he's got the tents out, but what he hasn't been able to do is to figure out what to do after the first, say, week or so. This was supposed to be preparing uh, individuals or helping them when they're totally in need and then uh, arranging for them to have further services. But he hasn't been able to describe or deliver on the second part. We hope he'll do it soon because if not, it's just adding to the problems that we have in the streets of the city. And, well, thank you, uh, Governor Patterson. And now let's go to Dr. Peter Michalos, and he's got some other uh, uh, There's the latest development in Alzheimer's drug. Tell us all about it. Well, it's very exciting news that we're making some progress with Alzheimer's. And Biogen and another company, Asai Pharmaceuticals in Japan, uh, came up with a medication called Acanemeb. And what they did was they studied 1,800 people. And they used various parameters, including their ability to get dressed, the ability to eat, the ability to do certain memory tests. And this drug, compared to the placebo or what we call a sugar pill, which has nothing in it, the people who took the drug had a 27% slower decline in their uh, cognitive function. So that that's really a big deal. And what happens with Alzheimer's, we know there are something called misfolded proteins. 
Picture the wiring in your brain is covered by smooth rubber plastic and picture all of a sudden that the, the wiring and the covering isn't there anymore and it gets crinkled up and the electrical impulses and the communication the brain isn't happening properly. So by having these drugs that attack these misfolded proteins, also called toxic oligomeres, uh, we can now theoretically help to slow down that and other neurodegenerative diseases. There's even companies, there's one in Canada called Promise Therapeutics that's working on an amyloid vaccine that will attack amyloid plaques, they're called. So this is uh, big news, and uh, we're looking forward to an approval, they think, right after the new year. So we'll have another weapon in our armamentarium to go after Alzheimer's disease, because if anyone has someone in their family who's gone through that and watched somebody transform and becoming a whole other person, and uh, eventually it does lead to death, uh, I think it's going to be a, a great addition and another great uh, success for uh, Japanese pharmaceuticals and American pharmaceuticals because the systems there put their capital at risk so that they can come up with new great ideas. And we don't see any of these great ideas coming out of the socialized medicine countries. And um, we're very grateful that uh, we uh, have the ability to do these things in this uh country and continue to develop new medicines for Alzheimer's. And also another study found that it's not just one factor, believe it or not, high blood pressure they showed was another risk factor over time because when our blood pressure is up, the tiny blood vessels in our brain say, I can't take this pressure anymore. And they start narrowing. And when they get narrower and they clamp down, they don't feed the brain oxygen as well. So that also plays a role. So controlling your blood pressure and uh, also the brain is in something, uh, uh, an immune privileged area, the blood brain barrier. So a lot of medicines can't get to it as readily. So that's why developing new drugs and vaccines that'll be able to cross the blood brain barrier will be the future. And you'll hear more about it on WABC and other exciting medical news. So now as we're talking, we're seeing that Ian has strengthened again and has become a hurricane again. And is and it's on its way to the Carolinas. And John, I'll pose can this question to, to New you. York? Can it ruin our weekend? No, it cannot. President Biden. Well, never say can never. I never hope to God not. Never. Knock on wood. But Sean it Connery listen. learned look, that lesson. Look, never say never again. I, I saw that movie. I, look what happened uh, with the, uh, <laughs> on the west coast of Florida. Uh, I kept saying to people, St. Pete. And Tampa, 100 years, there's only been two hurricanes. Everybody says it's heading for St. Pete, Tampa. Well, the 100-year the hundred year rule stays uh, the same. It, it swung over, went up, the uh, is going up the East Coast, and St. Pete, no, zero damage. So— President Biden, John, he said before, he said, we don't want to have any oil or price gouging when it comes to the pumps and that he's begging the oil executives not to gouge uh, as a result of this disaster. What's your reaction to hearing that? I think that? he should call his friends in Saudi Arabia and tell them that. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. Uh, and I'll, right and I'll tell you what, John, but, uh, yes. there, is, there aren't oil wells in Florida, so that wouldn't change. <laughs> well, well, it, what it would wouldn't change if the price. If there's no electricity in Florida and you had an electric car, what would you do? Sit there. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.